Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. Welcome back to the Lawfather Podcast. As always, we're here in Lawfather headquarters in the Lawfather Podcast studio. I would welcome you to the show and ask that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. A big shout out to Radio Influence for always being here to support us and produce the show. And uh, follow us on social media at The Law Father and uh, take a look at Radio Influence. Uh, they have a lot of different uh, podcasts and things on there. So uh, if you enjoy our show, take a listen uh, or take a pop over there and uh, listen to some of the other shows. I want to get into something really interesting today. Uh, there's, and it's something that as I was getting ready for today, I think becomes a two-part type show uh, because... We have the initial piece at hand, which is very interesting, and the history behind how we got here is also extremely interesting, and uh, both of them, I think, uh, warrant their own specific shows. So, you know, what I want to look at is when Disney and the Seminole Tribe and Casinos can actually agree on something, right? Um, Really kind of interesting, right? When would you ever think... In real world that Walt Disney, or the well, not the person, but the company, right? Because Walt Disney is uh, no longer alive. Uh, and the Seminole Tribe, who runs casinos in the state of Florida, that they could possibly ever agree on something, right? Two kind of polar opposites, really family-oriented. Uh, look, gambling tends to have a, a stigma behind it, right? Casinos tend to have a stigma behind them. Um, you know, I, I, I think... It's one of those things. It's a great place if you can be responsible and, you know, you can go in and have fun and leave and, you know, not overextend yourself uh, financially, that is. But, you know, I I understand the argument that it's not necessarily family friendly, uh, but be that as it may. Okay. How is it that these two pieces come together? Well, uh, it becomes part of what we're looking at today, which is a new agreement, a new what they have what they term as a compact between Ron DeSantis, our governor in Florida, and the uh, Florida Seminole Tribe. Okay, and what is a compact? Just a fancy way of saying it's an agreement, right? It's agreement. The the actual dictionary definition of it is a compact, or excuse me, a compact is an agreement or covenant between two or more parties. That's it. That is all a covenant is. It's a contract. That's it. Um, so, you know, and, and you know, maybe if you were to dive deeply into the the legal aspect to it, is it truly a contract? Does it have to have promise and consideration? Uh, you know, and, and performance. Eh, well, that may be something to look at at another time. But anyway, um, what I want to look at is that compact and 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 what that means for the state of Florida and what that means for from a legal perspective because you have so many different avenues to go on this and it's it's really quite interesting and and this this contract or this compact is no different than any other contract okay I, i've done a decent amount of contract contract drafting in my time as an attorney and there's no such thing as an ironclad contract and normally 
you're just dealing with two parties in a contract, right? You, you have you and whoever you sign the contract with. And even then, it's really, really difficult to hit every single possible issue. Right. And it's it's also really difficult to make every single issue ironclad. And you come up with this and this isn't a, a real word, but it's, uh, it's a term that I tend to use. It's you come up with these litigatable issues. So, yes, we may draft a contract and say that we feel that whatever way this thing turns, this particular uh, part of the contract is rock solid. OK, but it doesn't mean that it's not litigatable, meaning that someone could come by and go, hey, or the other side could come by and go, hey, we don't like that part of the contract. We think that this reads um, that you can't do something, whereas you read it that you can do something. All right. And I'm oversimplifying possibly, but that's what typically goes on. But with the Seminole tribe and with gambling and casinos, right? And I'm not talking, as we talk here today, I'm not talking Seminole tribe in terms of, um, you know, outside of the casino world, outside of the gambling world. Okay. So anytime we're talking about the Seminole tribe right now, we are talking about as it relates to the gambling. And I believe that the uh, all of their casinos in Florida are seminal hard rock casinos. I don't believe uh, that they have uh, any other type casinos. And there's several, right? Uh, uh, Tampa has one. I know there's at least one in South Florida. There may actually be two in South Florida. I believe one of them actually has a guitar-shaped pool in South Florida. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, you know, Check uh, Travelocity or your travel advisor for uh, more details on that. Uh, nah, definitely not a, a travel agent here. That's that's for sure. But anyway, that's that's what we'd be looking at. And here's here's something that you may not know and understand about those places, right? So they're in Florida, right? They are encompassed in what we all know as Florida. But did you know that the moment you step onto the property of one of those casinos, you're no longer in Florida. You are no longer in the United States. You are on sovereign territory of the Seminole Indian tribe, right? They have their own government. They have their own police force, right? Now, it's it's not all truly contained, okay? So it is a sovereign. They It is its own land, Okay, so it is Seminole Indian land. It is not state of Florida land. It is not United States government land. Okay, it is owned by the Seminole tribe. Now, there are, is some crossover. So, for example, um, if you break the law, okay, if you get arrested on the Seminole, uh, at the Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa, you go to Hillsborough County Jail. You go to Hillsborough County Court, right? So, there is some interplay between them. But the land that you're standing on when you're there is what, what's called sovereign land. And, and we run into this as a personal injury firm every once in a while. Uh, I've had, uh, I think, maybe two cases with uh, slip and falls at the Seminole Hard Rock. Um, I can't remember how one of them turned out. I, I know one of them we ended up dropping because guess what? It's a casino and there is a lot of cameras, right? And, uh, you know, look. Not to get off on a tangent here, but a lot of times in personal injury, you got to take what your client tells you, right? Especially on a slip and fall. Um, not necessarily always uh, as accurate as you would hope it would be. And uh, so 
video, I like video, okay? Like I said, not to get off on a tangent, but I like video. So I like having something like a, like a casino where I can go, oh, yeah, I can see exactly what happened. And, uh, yeah, I don't have a case, right? And move on to the next one. But anyway, not to get off uh, on too much of a tangent, but really, really brief, brief history because I want to get into a, into the history of gambling and the Seminole Tribe in the state of Florida uh, on another podcast. I think it actually warrants its own specific show. But this started back with when Jeb Bush was governor, and it started with what's called Perry Mutual. All right, um, it's it's spelled really funky. It's P A R I dash M U T U E L. Um, but it's basically using a third party to do something. Okay, and there were these Perry Mutual slots down in South Florida, and uh, they still, I believe, they still exist today. There's there's some. There's some piece that kind of steps outside of what um, what we have here with the Seminole Tribe that allows them in South Florida. There's some kind of county ordinance. It's its its own thing. Okay, so just know that. The, the important thing to know and the takeaway is it's its own thing. Uh, that then led to an agreement with uh, Charlie Crist, who was governor at the time, and I believe he was a Republican, gov- Republican governor at the time. Uh, he has since become a Democrat. Um, don't know really how that works, uh, other than I believe maybe the uh, when he was up to run again, somewhere along the lines, there was a, a really strong challenger. I don't know. It's a little bit before my time, but... Be that as it may, he's now a Democrat. He was a Republican when he signed the deal. Uh, And this deal was with the Seminole Tribe to run gambling and casinos in the state of Florida. Now, there's a a really interesting history with that, and that is um, what we'll get into in in a later podcast. And then we have the most recent, and it, it really came through quietly. And it wasn't, I actually hadn't seen it right off the bat. Someone mentioned it to me that, hey, you might want to take a look at this deal. might be something interesting to talk about. So I started looking into it, and, and um, Governor DeSantis has signed a compact with the Seminole Tribe to expand gambling in the state of Florida to include sports betting. Okay? Now, at the top, right, I mentioned how does Disney and the Seminole Tribe come together? Well, here's where it's going to start to get weird. All right. There was an amendment three on the ballot in Florida, which would require voter voter approval to expand gambling. Okay. Now you might look at that and go, well, hey, well, let's take a step back because anytime there's any kind of amendment or anything on the ballot, you can actually find who supports the ballot or who supports the amendment and who doesn't, who has put money where. Uh, is really kind of interesting, and, it, and it's really cool that that you can see, and there's this transparency that comes along with what money goes where, um, because I think it's really important. And this is where these two seemingly opposite end of the spectrum places come together. Okay, so Amendment Three was supported, was financially funded, at least in part, by the Seminole Tribe and Disney. Why? Why would that be? Why would two polar opposites come together on an amendment that affects the thing that they are truly polar opposites on? Why would that be? Well, let's look at it, okay? Because at first glance, you go, why would the Seminole Tribe want voter approval to expand gambling? 
wouldn't make sense when you look at it on the surface level, right? Because you would want to be able to make moves and do what you want to do unless you feel that that amendment allows you to essentially be a monopoly and grow however you want to grow because you're not truly expanding gambling because you already have the gambling, okay? It's going to be an important nuance here as we look at this new compact. Now, on the flip side of it, Disney goes, hey, this is a way to curtail gambling and stop what we have, okay? Stop it at what we have. We can't go back and change, and we're not going to ask you to pull out what already exists. But Disney says, hey, we can we can stop this from growing. We can stop the state of Florida from becoming Las Vegas, right? And the Seminole tribe goes, hey, we can benefit ourselves financially, Kind of an amazing thing, right? Two polar, polar opposite places coming together and supporting the same amendment. So I find that really, really interesting. So what does that mean? And how does that come into play? Well, the trouble is, right, is we have this compact. We have this contract. And it's between Governor DeSantis and the Seminole Tribe. And it's to allow sports betting in the state of Florida. All right? And I believe... You know, and look, I've been to the Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. I believe they have some sort of sports betting or some sort of sports book on the property of the tribe. Um, I, I believe it is right right inside the casino. Jason, do you know it? It it, it looks okay. It, it looks like one. Okay, that that's how much I gamble. Right. Um, I, I go to Vegas like once a year, maybe once every two years play a little blackjack, go to some shows and some dinner, and that's about it, right? Um, throw, you know, $100 on the Red Sox to win the World Series whenever I'm there. And, uh, you know, actually last time I was there, I did that, gave the ticket to my dad, and he won because the Red Sox had won the World Series. So um, that's the extent of my knowledge on sports books. <laughs> so um, but so it, it looks like a sports book, but it's not truly one. What this would do is it would expand and allow sports betting. Now, how would it do that? This is where this whole thing is extreme to me, very, very interesting on multiple levels. It's it's interesting from a legal analysis, and it's really interesting from a how do you do things, right? We are in 2021. Things are done a lot differently now than when Jeb Bush was governor, than when Charlie Crist was governor, okay? Then even when Rick Scott was governor, right? Now, Rick Scott maybe kind of bridges the gap between, but think about the technology we had back in 2004, right? Did really the ability to place a bet on your phone, well, okay, I I was gonna say, did the ability to place a bet on your phone really exist in 2004? Well, I guess let me walk that back a little bit because, you know, growing up in South Jersey, right outside of South Philly, uh, the ability to place a bet from a phone has been around uh, about as long as sports have been around, okay? 1919 World Series and the Black Sox and, you know, all the bookies in South Philly and look, Sports betting has been around forever, and the ability to do it from a phone has been around forever. But what I'm talking about is the ability to go onto a website in the United States, not in some foreign country that it passes through some server and you're curtailing U.S. law to do it and that whole mess. No, I'm talking about regular, we're here, I can legally download an app, and I can go on and I can place a bet on the Tampa Bay Rays to win the World Series, okay? Or on, you know, that they win tonight or tomorrow night or whatever the case may be, okay? 
That's what I'm talking about. And and did that really exist? Did that technology really exist in 2004? Probably not, okay? At least on the affordability level that it would now and on the massive scale that we have it now, right? How much do we do from our phones now versus 2004, okay? So consider that as we look at how these things grow. Now, how it would work is this. You'd have... The Seminole tribe would be the ones that are the the face of it, if you will, and the servers. So in order to do this, you have to have a server, and a server is just basically a big computer system, right? And it just it sits in a room, and it's a box, and it's got big fans that cool it, and it's usually locked away so that no one can physically get into it, although, uh, as we've seen in recent times, uh, getting into servers is... Um, I want to say easy, but apparently if you know what you're doing, it's pretty easy. Um, just ask the Colonial Pipeline people. Uh, apparently <laughs> apparently, it's uh, easier than it looks. Um, but anyway, uh, so you have this computer system. The information passes through and goes on from point A to point B. That's what it is. Okay, It's a way to access information. And so what you would have is these servers would reside on uh, uh, seminal land. Okay. Just remember, as I mentioned before, where the casinos are is not land for the state of Florida. It is sovereign seminal land. Okay. It is essentially a different country. All right. It's not truly, but 100,000 foot level, the seminal land is a different country. All right. So the servers are, are living there. These peri mutuals, as we mentioned back in the beginning from OBN 04. With the, with the slots down in South Florida, all right, we reintroduce perimutuals, and they run the games. They run the sports betting. But it's all being run through the servers that reside on the Seminole land, all right? Now, how does anybody make money in that situation? Well, look, the house always wins. I can tell you that the house always wins. Uh, it's like blackjack. Those of you who play blackjack, all right, as long as you span your time out long enough and can sustain the ups and downs, you will always win. Okay, it's like forty-nine to fifty in favor of the house, and the house bets on on that you can't walk away when you're up, right? And that you're just going to lose all your money, and they're going to take it, and you're down. That's essentially how it works. Okay, so the house always wins. Sixty percent of the revenue from sports betting will go to these peri mutuals. Forty percent of the betting will go to the Seminole tribe. So where does the state of Florida come into mix here, right? Well, 14% of that 40% that's going to the Seminole tribe will come in to the state of Florida. And what the estimate is, is mind-blowing. And look, whatever your thoughts are on gambling and whether it's morally bad or ethically bad or just bad for a state as a whole, consider this because, like I said, this to me is mind-blowing. $2.5 billion within five years. That paltry little 14% of 40% is expected to be $2.5 billion within five years, Okay. That is a substantial amount of money, right? And look, in Florida, we don't have income tax. It's a beautiful thing, right? What we take home is what we take home. We don't have to pay the state of Florida anything. Now, 
are there trade-offs? Yeah, we pay higher property taxes and things like that, okay? But what what an amazing way to put just insane amounts of money into the coffers of the state. $2.5 billion within five years. So that's what, what that would look like. Now, look, we're a legal show. We talk about legal things, right? As I mentioned before, a contract, generally you have two parties, right? And that's it. If one party doesn't agree with what the other one has done, or one party interprets it differently than the other party, then you have this, what I called a litigatable issue. Now take that and multiply it on many, many, many more levels, okay? Um, And that's what you have here. You have a system that you'd have DeSantis and the Seminole tribe who could say, I read it one way and you read it another way. Um, and I, we have that actually in some of the history, which is why I want to get into the history later on um, prior to this particular deal. But then we have um, the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, which gaming must occur on tribal lands. We have the Department of the Interior. We have the Florida State Senate. We have uh, the legal considerations of the amendment that, that forces the the um, the voters in the state of Florida to expand gambling, okay? There, there are so many different avenues that this can be attacked from that it, just like the amount of money that's out there, it's mind-blowing, okay? Not only that, you're probably going to have some competitors, right, that are going to want to try to push this out, right? Going to try to want to stop this. Now, who would the competitors be? I'm not entirely clear on that. My assumption would be um, maybe sports books in Vegas that would want you to come to Vegas to be able to place bets there. Um, New Jersey as well. And, and to take a step back, the ability to do this actually dates back to a couple years ago. Uh, I think it was made, literally just a couple. I, I think it was two that the state of New Jersey won a, a federal Supreme Court battle to allow sports betting. Okay, so prior to that, Las Vegas was really the only place you could bet on sports. Uh, I believe there was one other exception to it uh, because there was an act that was passed uh, on the federal level that prohibited sports betting in other places. Uh, New Jersey fought that. Okay, now why New Jersey? New Jersey is a place that has a lot of casinos as well. Okay, Um, Atlantic City. uh, And and I know there was a, a little bit of a downturn in Atlantic City, but I think it's kind of coming back up um, and, and coming. But like there's a Caesars, for example, in Atlantic City. There's a Caesars in Las Vegas. Um, so pass through the one in Atlantic City. It's equally as nice as uh, the one in Vegas. And I've I literally just passed through both of them. So, um, you know, both, like I said, very nice places. But that's why that would be the place to start that. If that never happens, Florida doesn't ever have the opportunity, right? So that's what that looks like. That that is the amount of of people, right, who have an interest in this that can fight this. Now, supposedly the Department of Interior is on board with it, because um, what I could tell the the Seminole Tribe spoke to the Department of the Interior, and the Department of Interior said, as long as the servers are on Seminole land, it's all good, because the transaction is occurring on Seminole property. 
Okay. Um, and, and the quote from them is candidly, we would never enter into this agreement if we did not verify this with other legal re- legal representation that the bet in the transaction happens at the server. And as long as that is on tribal sovereign lands, we think we are within the boundaries of the law. Okay. Um, and, and they actually went on to say, I'll reiterate, we certainly respect there's those that feel that's not accurate and we respect that, but that's our position. And obviously, if someone challenges that legally, then we have to go through the process, okay? And that's, look, that is essentially law 101. This is how court cases happen, right? This is how settlements happen and agreements happen is, hey, I think I'm right. But that doesn't mean that you're wrong, okay? It just means that I read it this way. And if you want to challenge it, you can but I'm going to have my stuff ready to go, okay? Um, and, and look, on the opposite side, right, that it's an quote-unquote open and shut case as it gets in gaming law, and it's confounding, absolutely confounding to me that the state agreed to a deal that runs a significantly high risk of being modified or being pared back significantly and leaving in its place a tribal monopoly with nothing for the peri-mutual facilities. That undermines what the state is intending to do here. Okay, so that really gives us a good snapshot of of where we are and what we're looking at. Okay, now here's where it comes up next. All right, we are. Oh, well, guess what? (laughs) I wasn't actually sure of the date, but today is May 17th. And guess what starts today? This is really good timing. I promise you, I did not intend this timing to be this good. Um, Every once in a while, I get lucky, right? Uh, The. The state legislature for the state of Florida opens up its special session today, May 17th, okay? Um, and, and look, the House has acknowledged that it's a complex deal and that that there's so many different pieces to the puzzle. To, the puzzle. Um, to put this a little bit in perspective, um, that New Jersey court case, the Supreme Court decision was in 2018, uh, two dozen states since then have allowed sports betting uh, in their states. Okay, so that's that's what we are looking at there. Like I said, there's there's a lot of pieces in play. Um, so the Senate has to ratify the compact. The Department of the Interior has to authorize the tribal compact once it has been ratified. Um, there's um, 45 days for them to do so. If and look, the Department of the Interior can can just kind of sit on his hands. And if they don't do anything, it automatically goes into effect. So, um, you know, you could take that as a we're just not going to get involved in it type of thing. Um, and as a, as a piece of understanding how it works, the Florida deal, this compact that DeSantis has signed with the Seminole tribe, it actually doesn't become ratified until um, the legislature signs off on that deal. Okay, so here's the steps in the process. The governor and the tribe have agreed. The House and the Senate have to agree as well. They ratify the contract. That contract goes to, or compact rather, like I said in the beginning, is essentially a contract, uh, goes to the Department of the Interior, which is a federal agency. All right. So we go state level, right? We, well, we go state and sovereign level, right? Sovereign being the Seminole tribe. We get that. Then we go state of Florida level. Then we go federal level. For an agreement, so that is how uh, how that works. Um, you know, the the opponents of it are going to say, 
that the courts have strictly interpreted uh, what it means uh, for activities to take place on tribal lands, right? So what the argument's really going to come down to is where does the transaction take place, okay? Um, and, and what this went on to say is that there's really no ambiguity as to what it means by activities taking place on tribal lands. And in, and in this opponent's opinion, that it's not the server, right? It's not the where it's being administered from. It's where the action actually happens. So where that card is flipped, um, where that bet is placed from, right? Now, look, could, the, could it be that we're dealing with outdated case law that is looking at, hey, I'm at a craps table. I physically have dice in my hand. Where do I throw those dice from, right? What if I stand out? I, I don't remember. I can't remember what the name of the street is. I think it's Hillsborough Ave that, uh, that borders um, the, the Seminole Hard Rock. What if by some crazy ability, right, um, you know, like dude perfect style on YouTube, there's a big opening or you put a craps table in the parking lot of the Seminole Hard Rock, right? And I'm standing on Hillsborough Ave and I toss the dice from there and it lands on the table. Have I broken the law? Has the tribe broken the law? Has the tribe broken the compact? Right? Really kind of interesting question, right? Because it landed on tribal land. I started from outside, okay? And, and it's, it's a really extreme example that would never happen in real life, okay? Because it would be senseless to do something like that. But it kind of highlights this, right? So, but that's different because we're taking a physical object and we're, we're going from point A to point B, Right? Whereas we're talking about 2021 and we're talking about the ability to take a phone and send some kind of waves. I don't know. I'm not the technical guy in the room here. You know, take some kind of waves and you send it through your cell phone and it hits this server on the Seminole Hard Rock uh, land. And it goes from there and it goes to this Perry Mutual who's actually running the game. Um, but the transaction has already taken place on the tribal land. Now, look, in my interpretation of it, right? And I think that's why you all listen to the show because you want my brilliant legal interpretations. Um, maybe not so brilliant all the time, but um, in my in my estimation, in my interpretation, in my opinion on this, the the case law is outdated. Okay, the case law doesn't match where we are in 2021. Okay, this isn't the role of a dice in a craps game. This isn't the flipping of cards in a blackjack game, right? This isn't you know Texas Hold'em and all in, all right? This is sports betting on a mobile level, okay? Now, it is it is truly encompassed in the state of Florida because they can actually put a geofence around it so that way if you cross the state line and go into Georgia, okay, or Alabama, right, you cannot place that bet in Florida. You have to be in Florida, right? And it hits a server on one of the Seminole tribe lands. To me... That checks all the boxes, okay? But it's not up to me, and I am no expert on on uh, gambling law. That's for sure. And, I'm, hey, look, there are going to be a lot of attorneys in this that make a lot of money because I am sure that those attorneys who are doing gambling law are charging extreme amounts per hour because it's a big, big money thing. As I mentioned, like $2.5 billion in the next five years just on sports betting alone, not to mention everything else. So, look, my opinion, my legal analysis, if the, how, if the House and the Senate ratify this compact, I think it'll survive legal challenges. I think we'll see sports betting in the state of Florida. But 
we will know a whole lot more this week as special session starts today. Like I said, I got lucky. Just so happened that we covered this show today and the special session starts today. And one of the topics will be, do they ratify this bill? Okay. Another topic that is important is, is PIP going to be repealed, which deals with insurance. So um, let's do this. Let's take a look at the special session on the next podcast. Okay. And uh, maybe the one after that, we'll do the whole breakdown on the history of gambling in Florida. Uh, I think it's really interesting. Um, that is to say that maybe something crazy in the world pops up and uh, kind of bumps a history lesson down the line because, well, history is history, and it's not really going to change a whole lot. But um, that being said, all right, that is the history of sports betting in the state of – not the history of sports betting. That's where we currently are with sports betting in the state of Florida. Check us out, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. All right. Trying to do some fun things on there. Keep you entertained everywhere I go. Trying to keep all of you entertained. And uh, that is the show for today from Lawfather Headquarters. Lawfather out.